welcome to the podcast where together, every Monday, we explore hospitality in its very broader sense. From culture and cooking, cocktails and coffee, nutrition and farming, politics and animal welfare, organic and sustainability, family and business, entrepreneurship, and much, much more. Come and learn with me, Mark Cribb, about where our food and our drink comes from and the businesses and more importantly the human beings that thrive on where we decide to spend our time and our money. Sign up to our weekly newsletter at humansofhospitality.co.uk and hit subscribe on your podcast player of choice. Welcome to the show and a very different style of episode this week. Rather than a detailed conversation with one awesome human of hospitality, we have nine great humans, most of which have been previous guests on the podcast. And we have just one topic of conversation, why they are supporting the campaign for a minister for hospitality. This campaign was launched by Claire Bossy, but had been sat languishing at around 38,000 signatures on the government petition website. And to be debated in Parliament, 100,000 signatures were required. So Robin Hudson, CEO of Homegrown Hotels, organised a call last week with over 100 very well-connected hospitality professionals. And working with some of his graduate trainees, as well as some well-known faces of the hospitality sector, such as Tom Kerridge and Angela Hartnett, launched the Seat at the Table campaign. And it's been very successful. To show my support, I organised to interview a number of respected voices in the hospitality sector over Thursday and Friday of the same week to try and help get over that 100,000 tipping point. So whilst we were recording this, signatories were going up around 10,000 per day. And then overnight on Friday into Saturday morning, I was excited to see another 20,000 names added and the 100,000 mark has been passed. As I record this, we are approaching 140,000 signatures, which is excellent. Excellent news. However, the campaign does go on, since the danger is that this is debated and a token gesture junior minister could be appointed. Historically, when there was a minister for tourism, the person in role would typically only last eight months. We need a senior minister in a longer term post to make the most of the incredible opportunities the hospitality sector presents to this country. Whether it be the number of people employed in the sector, the number of people employed in the supporting sectors, the fast track career opportunities for young people, the number of apprenticeships that we offer, the fact that we are the backbone of the UK for business meetings, the fact that we nourish the nation on a daily basis, the fact that the nutrition of the food we provide can make the nation healthier or sicker. The environmental implications of where and how we source the food and drink we provide. The investment in rural communities often lacking other businesses. The happiness factor of providing weddings, anniversaries and more. I could go on, but in essence we are a huge, complicated, entwined industry for positivity that should be better respected and have a better seat at the table than it historically has had. We've proved as a sector that we have Britain's best interest at heart. Despite crippling restrictions, we've stood tall and fed and housed key workers during the pandemic. We've stepped in to ensure children and those facing poverty have been fed where people have fallen through the cracks of government support. Looking after people and the country is hardwired into our DNA, but we are a unique sector and have historically been undervalued. These nine people that I talk with 
who between them employ tens of thousands of people but represent an industry of millions, will give you their perspectives on why they want a better seat at the table. Whilst recognising the great work that Kate Nichols and UK Hospitality have achieved, we'd like someone on the inside as well as the outside of government. I hope you'll enjoy hearing their perspectives and I hope you will be motivated to visit the website seatatthetable.org.uk where you can find a link to the petition and support the other social media accounts around this campaign. I will also put up links to the petition and all of the people interviewed and their websites in the show notes at humansofhospitality.co.uk. Just type 118 into the search bar on that site and this episode number 118 and its notes will appear. From all of us in the hospitality sector, thank you so much for your support. Cheers. Robin Hudson, uh, thank you very much for joining me, or it feels like I'm joining you, really, because I know you've been behind this campaign trying to get this petition for a minister for hospitality uh, up to 100,000 votes. So, you know, thank you on behalf of the industry for what you're doing. Can you just explain to people uh, why are you doing this? Why are you getting behind this petition? And what do you think a minister for hospitality could do for us? Yeah, hi, Mark. Um, Sure. Uh, I mean, to be absolutely honest, um, I I watched the petition uh, start. It was started by uh, Claire Bosey about um, four or five uh, weeks ago, I think. And I was really dismayed that it hadn't got more traction more quickly with um, three million um, employed in the sector, another two million dependent. And it was sort of faltering at around 30 uh, 40,000 uh, people uh, that had signed. And um, after banging on about it, I, I'm not much of a social media uh, whiz, but uh, I was banging on about it uh, on Twitter and, you know, nothing seemed to happen very much. So I thought I'd better try and do something a little more proactive about it. Yeah, well done. So you've got 100 odd people on a call. Um, well done. And and as a result of that, and uh, you've added, I think, something like, you know, approaching 15,000 uh, signatures in the last 24 hours. Uh, but why is this important to you? What do you think a Minister for Hospitality could do for the industry? And was there a certain thing, I suppose, that triggered where you thought, look, enough is enough, we're not being listened to, we need a better seat at the table? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's certainly true. I mean, I guess it's, um, it, I've long held the belief, to be honest, that, um, we aren't uh, well enough represented for a, for an industry of our size. I mean, if you go to a Caribbean island, the second most important person uh, in the uh, in the government there, after the prime minister, is the minister of tourism. We tour on an, an island here, um, and uh, increasingly so, as it as it would appear. Um, and um, uh, and I just felt that you know we we are bounced between various departments. Uh, currently, for instance, uh, pubs and restaurants are in one government department. They're in the the um, business energy department, and uh, hotels and tourism and venues are in um, the Department of Culture and um, Media. So um, it, it's unsurprising, really, that in amongst all that other activity, and I'm sure all of those industries have very good causes of their own. Um, to fight that it's it's hardly it's hardly surprising that sometimes we we struggle for air, and I think what's really what really sort of got me going this year was that um, whilst hospitality uh, is tripping off every MP's lips all of a sudden, we're, we're, and we we haven't heard heard any of them mention it before this year, um, uh, the the view in government of hospitality seems to be something to do with city centre pubs, 
whereas we all know that it's a great it has a great deal more depth and breadth than than that um i don't think i've hardly heard the word hotels for instance um uh, mentioned and certainly not wedding venues or anything else uh, for that matter so um i think we're lacking joined up thinking uh, i don't think our voice is being heard sufficiently we're the third largest employer as a sector uh, in the country and uh, i think someone should be banging the drum right next to uh, the prime minister Hmm. Okay. And if you could sit down, let's say this this petition works, and uh, I guess that's not the end of it. It's then going to be debated, and, and we need to select somebody uh, to be appointed. But if you were sat with that person, what sort of things would you be bringing to their attention uh, to try and, uh, yeah, I suppose, highlight the, you know some of the opportunities, and, and, and maybe not just pandemic-related, but some of the opportunities for hospitality? Well, I think, you know, uh, uh, there, is, there are some immediate issues. I mean, uh, um, pandemic related, I mean, some of the rules and regulations and restrictions and tiers and, you know, there have been some dreadful clangers dropped throughout the year, which di- really didn't need to happen. We've been, we've been restricted by rules that had very little effect on the, uh, uh, on the health aspects of, uh, uh, of the pandemic and yet have severely curtailed, um, uh, a lot of businesses um, th- throughout the year. So there's the the way we have reacted to as as an industry to 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 the pandemic. I think uh, I think has been very very disjointed. And and I really believe that if there was one person uh, that had a cohesive and deep understanding of the sector, it would make a lot of difference. But specifically uh, going forward. Um, uh, I have long believed that VAT for the sector, given that it's the uh, the driver, the, the tourism dollar uh, for the for UK PLC is considerable, and um, and VAT is frankly out of kilter with our European colleagues. So uh, so typically in Europe, VAT for for hospitality and tourism is around ten percent. Yeah, we're sitting there at twenty percent. Completely disadvantages the sector. Uh, when we're competing on an international stage, so that's one one very very simple um, suggestion that would would make a, a, a massive uh, massive difference. And I think, uh, but ab- above all, the sector needs to uh, be recognised and have the status um, that it currently doesn't have. So it's it's very often seen as a bit of an also ran industry. Um, if if Toyota were to to uh, open a thousand um, worker factory in South Wales, that would make front page of the newspaper. Um, you know, I've created a thousand jobs in the in the last year that are sustainable in the last sorry in the, in the last ten years that are sustainable. Um, and of course, there's no recognition at all. So, you know, and I think this goes on. So it's an incredibly um, resourceful entrepreneurial uh, sector. And uh, there is very, very little recognition for it. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I think also often as well, it, it's full of uh, SMEs. It, it employs young people. It is a very entrepreneurial sector. It's also where lots of business meetings happen and engagements are made, isn't it? So it, it's the backbone uh, of, of so much that goes on in the country. Uh, I'm very conscious that you squeeze me in between a couple of other meetings. I've got to let you go. So let's just thank you so much. I'll speak to some peers in the industry uh, and we'll hear their voice as well. Any any final message you'd like to say to people? Presumably just please sign up. Yeah, I think sign up. Let's just get the job done. I mean, I, I mean, apart from anything else, I don't want the industry to be seen 
as not being able to muster a hundred thousand uh, uh, signatures for this this petition, um, which would be very very sad. So I hope the current scheme that has been spearheaded by a couple of our young um, uh, management trainees. I was trying to reach a younger audience with this particular part of the campaign, uh, uh, which is a, it's a social media campaign called Seat at the Table. And uh, I'm hoping, hoping that we'll, we'll get to that 100,000 um, very quickly. Let's talk again when we get there. Perfect. We'll do that and make sure we get the right person in post. Thank you so much, Robin. Appreciate your time. Right. See you later. Bye. Cheers. Simon Potts from The Alchemist, uh, over 20 or yeah, twenty bars and restaurants open in the UK at the moment, sort of spread around the country. Thank you for joining me today. We've spoken previously, but I'm just really interested to know uh, why are you supporting this petition, this campaign that's going on at the moment in the hospitality sector, calling for a sort of a better seat at the table and calling for a minister for hospitality? What's your reasons for backing this, please, Simon? I think it's probably exactly the same as um, everyone else that you'll have spoken to as part of this um, programme that you're putting together. Um, I'm sure you've had these numbers, uh, you you know, banded about and and we're seeing them in the press and in um, social media uh, and supporting this campaign. But the sector, you know, responsible broadly for three million jobs um, amongst um, a really important part of the the country, that the the young people that make up the sector. somewhere in the region of £130 billion in economic activity, um, the multiplier effect that the, the sector has, um, that the interconnection it has with the, the, the kind of cultural aspects of towns and cities around the country, um, the, the, the people that come out of um, the, the sector, um, those who obviously have made strides and, and climbed the ranks of, of hospitality um, in its own right, but also who have um, come through our businesses and have gone on to forge very successful careers in um, lots of different uh, uh, disciplines um, and jobs um, around the country, having learned, you know, um, really important um, characteristics and um, and job traits in in the work that we provide for them. So, I think we've, um, yeah, we we need somebody to fight that cause. Um, genuinely, at the table, we, we've had some um, some brilliant uh, results from the lobbying uh, that UK Hospitality and the BBPA have been able to to do, and we've achieved a lot, but. I think having somebody who, who truly and, and really understands what hospitality is about, who is there um, forming policy and um, getting the, the, the power of our sector across to a group of um, people who are very far removed from it, it feels like at the moment, um, uh, feels um, uh, absolutely paramount and, and well overdue, frankly. So, yeah, right behind the campaign and um, really, uh, really hope that um, we, we, we get seeing some good traction behind it now. Yeah, amazing. Okay. So it felt in the early days that, um, you know, maybe there was a better comprehension, obviously furlough kicked in in those early days, there was some specific grant support around hospitality. Um, but it felt like it, it dried up pretty quickly. And then a number of decisions were made. Was there a sort of straw that broke the camel's back where you went, oh, my goodness, they really don't get it where you thought, you know what, we do need uh, a, a better voice? Was there, were there any specific examples you can give? I think the, the most obvious one is is the most recent one, really, where we had our um, our great leader stand up and you know cry about how how sort of disproportionate the burden was that had been placed on hospitality and really feeling for us as a business, and then you know without missing a beat, um, saying that uh, we were being supported through that process with um, the, the incredibly uh, generous grant of a thousand pounds, which. Um, Given you know what what we all know, particularly at this time of year, and how um, how significant this trading month and, and period is for us, felt like um, yeah that the, the most kind of backhanded compliment of, of, of all time. Really, I think that was probably the the straw. But to be honest, we we were well beyond that. I think it's a it's pretty well established now that there's no 
um, no, no good evidence, no factual reasons to have um, put us into quite the restrictions that we've been in. Um, quite the opposite now, really. It's it sort of seen, seen as a, a policy decision rather than anything evidentially based. Um, I, I think when the mind has been put to it to, to give the government um, its, its due, um, they, they have come up with some some very good schemes. And in the early stages, they, they did support well. Furlough, you know, we need to remember it wasn't just about hospitality, but was being sort of broadly um, uh, applied right the way across the economy. Um, and, and has obviously been rebooted uh, to be a bit more focused on our sector um, uh, belatedly. But um, with the uh, Eat Out to Help Out, help out scheme, which has obviously been well covered as well, um, they, they showed an, an innate sort of understanding of, of supporting a, a particular part of the sector really well and driving people into that traditionally quieter um, trading part of the week um, at a time when we really needed the message to be spread about how, how safe um, our, our venues were. I, th- I think it was an absolute home run. And um, for a lot of people, it transformed P&Ls and balance sheets at a time that was pretty uncertain. And I think without that, a lot of us wouldn't be um, uh, quite so, uh, not calm, <laughs> but a little bit more sort of hopeful of, of, of navigating this um, this very difficult winter, um, having had the, uh, the support through that period. Um, obviously, that was coupled with a reduction in um, VAT um, on food and on soft drinks, which is great. But I think that at heart showed that there is a fundamental uh, misunderstanding of what hospitality is about. It's it's not um, broad. It's it's not one dimensional in the way that retail is, where everything operates in pretty much the same way. The sector, the hospitality sector, is incredibly diverse. And um, while restaurants and casual dining businesses were were really well supported um, uh, through that process, very little has been done for, for bars and pubs nightclubs those poor guys i mean we've, we've read about deltic this morning about to appoint um administrators there has been nothing that that's been done to support people who's who trade and, and operate um you know in in um in alcohol and in, in wet their businesses and of course pubs are, are what we're crying out for now and and you know this this thousand pound grant that is supposed to, to save us has just been is, is a drop in the ocean um I still hope, um, heart of hearts, that there is some some sense to to come in the new year when we can sensibly trade these things again. That they will give some thought to how they can accelerate the, the recovery and growth of, of those kind of businesses. But fundamentally, having somebody who understands that, who is who is part of that decision making process, not just lobbying for it, would be really really valuable. I think the other thing that that um, the government has, has fundamentally misunderstood about hospitality, and again, it's about that broad brush approach. Some of it, obviously, as we know, is, is a bit knockabout, as, as there is in in any sector, and um, and perhaps doesn't follow the rules to the nth degree. But the much greater part of it has done it extensively. I think, particularly in that that middle part of um, the, the sector, the private equity backed engine room of, of hospitality businesses that still have that entrepreneurial flair, but are working hand in glove with um, very serious business enterprises who are blending that entrepreneurialism with um, commerciality, who are creating not just just very safe and compliant businesses, but growing businesses as well, have been um, largely missed out in terms of the support. Um, obviously, I can speak from experience here. You know, we've got a lot of city centre locations. Every single one of our venues is well above that £51,000 rateable threshold. So we weren't able to access some of those early grants, which were you know, fairly significant. Um, worse than that, really, the door has been shut um, on the C-bills um, process, um, which was really supportive to a lot of smaller businesses initially. In fairness, that, that policy has been reviewed and you know, has, has probably just about come in the nick of time for us to be able to, to access that at a time when we, when we most need it. But I think... Um, not, not really having the sense of, of how, how broad and how much range there is in the sector and how, how high the quality of people are in it, um, particularly at the, the, the middle to larger end of things, has been another um, 
another misstep really from the government and again something that would really be helped by having that that seat at the table mm, okay excellent yeah some 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 good points there um Given the opportunity then to to sit down with this person, I'm kind of conscious that you know it's all well and good saying that we really need somebody now in a pandemic, and there may be some specific pandemic examples. But I guess you know we're looking at this as a as a long term situation. You know, we want a long term better relationship with the government, with somebody who really gets our sector. Are there any kind of key things? If you were sat down with that new minister for hospitality, he's just sort of started. He or she's just started in the job. Are there any key things that you would want to sort of bring to their attention and say, look, can you please look at these uh, in our sector moving forwards? Yeah, and, and I think some of this stuff perhaps is in train already, um, that the, the well sort of um, first uh, arguments around um, what is paid in business rates um, disproportionate to so many of the um, e-commerce businesses that are growing and, and flourishing in the country. I think that that needs addressing and, um, you know, we are told consistently that that is being looked at, but, but will it be looked at again in, in a very kind of broad sense or will there be that nuance behind it? I think there's been a lot around um, the, the commercial relationship that, that exists between landlords and tenants, particularly around upward only rent and how we've ended up in quite an archaic system that doesn't necessarily fit the, the nature of, um, uh, of of how we operate um, in, in the current market. I think fundamentally, um, we, we are now a nation of consumers and how we sort of translate that consumption, not just from, from what we go out and buy, but, but how we how we live our lives a little bit more vicariously I, I think the appointment's going to be so important when it comes and let's assume it is a when not not an if and I, I think really understanding what what young people are getting out of hospitality not just the people that work in it but people that consume it at those those sort of early um early stages when, when you are becoming a person you're having those formative experiences in in more controlled environments and you know, being in a in a sweaty nightclub is really important in in helping you sort of understand and empathise a little bit more at large with people. Um, and those early experiences uh, make you a more rounded individual as you as you get in into to middle life, and you're able to really start sort of influencing decisions. We've taken some steps on that journey through the the nights our appointments in in London and in uh, and in Manchester, um, where we're well represented, I think, in that element of it. But making it, it, it credible and, and, and important and being understood connecting people back in in government to to what is, is really going to be the future of the country i'm not sure i've articulated that brilliantly well but I, but I think that that need to connect with the the younger people's voice in hospitality rather than just the the very senior people who are running these businesses who all of us hopefully doing, doing a good job but but just making sure that we're getting some of that what sometimes referred to as reverse mentoring that the, the voice of people of a of a very young age you know in, in their late teens and early 20s who are who are really consuming and who are, who are going to go on and do um, exciting things in and outside of the sector, making sure that they've got a voice that's being heard as well. I think that's going to be quite quite interesting. Quite how we do that um, remains to be seen. But, uh, but I think, um, yeah, just making sure that there is access to all elements of hospitality when we get that ministry in place is going to be really valuable. Simon, thank you so much for, for sparing the time just to dip in and have this quick conversation. Are there any other uh, key points that you wanted to articulate or are you happy? No, I think I think that's pretty good. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how it comes out and hearing what everyone else has got to say. Perfect. Okay. Best of luck in uh, yeah navigating your way through and uh, yeah, uh, Merry Christmas. Thanks. And, and same <laughs> to you, of course. Cheers. Danny Peccarelli, MD of the Exclusive Collection, uh, some incredible country houses. You're well known in hospitality. You've invested millions of pounds recently in our sector. You're a very positive voice for our sector. Uh, can I just ask you, Danny, why are you supporting this sort of seat at the table and minister for hospitality position? Because 
I thought after the summer that hospitality had got a bit more of a voice and was respected as an industry, but recent government announcements have made it blatantly clear that we're one of the scapegoats. And, you know, when you've, as a company, invested tens if not hundreds of thousands of pounds in 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 providing a covid secure environment following the rules to the letter and then to get penalized and such blatant disregard for our industry it's just it's time to stand up and 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 fight really Mm. Well, there's some key decisions. Like you say, in the early days, it looked like you know the industry was getting some support. Were there some key decisions? Was there a particular straw that broke the camel's back with some of the decisions that have been made more recently? I, I, I think it's just lumping everything in. I mean, it, I I drove through city centre when when the ten o'clock curfew, the original ten o'clock curfew, came in, and you know we're we're respectfully asking people to uh, go back to their bedrooms to stop drinking and i drove home one night a quarter past 10 drove through a city center to see hundreds of people queuing outside and off license not socially distancing not obeying the rules the off license generating um uh, all, all, all the revenue, and I'm making tough decisions about people and and not being able to invest in full time wages for them. And I just the 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 the, the rules and that there's so many more I could mention, but the the rules are just so skewed against us. And I know we are one of the most COVID secure in, environments, and we follow follow the rules. But the the ability for someone not to follow the rules in a different environment is is just it, it yeah it's so frustrating as you can probably tell from my voice. <laughs> I can, and I've spoken to others. You know, they've chatted about the ridiculousness of a, of a country hotel where you know your guests are staying the night. They're going back to their bedrooms. They're coming back down the, the following morning for breakfast, and just the you know yeah, the, the, the sheer stupidity, I suppose, of having to send them all off to bed at ten o'clock. And, and clearly, that's making the situation more risky because you're having to cram service for for the same number of people into a smaller period. So yeah, it just seems crazy. Do, do you think the government, you know, just don't get it do you think they do get it but ignore it why, why do you think that and, and is it because hospitality is just wrapped up in it it's such a diverse industry and you know we all get sort of lumped under the city center pub where in reality a, a country hotel is very different what do you think the problem I, is i i think they take they look at the weakest point and and you know the city center pub or, or the student union i mean you know i'm not blaming the students um uh but a student union pub uh, i it's I I I think they don't understand. They look at the lowest common denominator, um, uh, and and it's why we need a, a a minister because they don't understand the diversity that the sub segments of our industry, and so they lump everyone together, and they've never really understood what we bring to the party and how we do it and how professional we are. They just have this global view of us as a low-wage, low-skilled, um, uh, back to lowest common denominator, serve a pint and microwave food. It just isn't the case. The skill, the, the professionalism, the, the um, uh, vast 
diversity of what we offer is is just huge and so we that's why we need a voice so someone to sit there and fight our corner and explain what we do and and um but i i don't you know interesting i don't think it's just our industry i don't think they understand many industries they have these high level statements about um you know we love high tech or we love the city or whatever they do but they don't really understand any any industry specifically um but we we need someone in government to explain what we do we employ three point oh you've heard these numbers i'm sure other people say 3.2 million people 5 million people are directly dependent on our industry if you include the supply chain that's 5 million people it's not an insubstantial number and we um the tax revenues we bring in the 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 tourists we bring in it just yeah I, once again you could keep going on and on on the case but yeah no it's good all right well look um if you were sat with them because i guess we've you know we've got the current situation we've got the current pandemic we obviously got brexit we've got these certain trigger points but if we if we had a minister of hospitality we you know we'd be hoping that this was going to be a longer term relationship if you were sat with that person in the first couple of months of their role what other issues would you be wanting to bring to the table to say look can you can you look at this can you focus on this is there anything else in our in our sector that you think needs a, a longer term perspective um uh uh, uh, uh labor brexit you, you know i mean the the that's another train crash um <laughs> whole subject we won't get into what what was the the the, the um, letter that every um company got recently uh uh prepare um plan and implement you know prepare for what plan for what implement what it's just yeah it, it's but but the lack of clarity on on every major issue at the moment if you're running a business you're you're you know the government's basically blindfolding you and then sort of shoving you in a direction then then saying right you've got to turn now but you've got no idea which way to turn yeah okay well look uh challenging times danny thank you so much for just adding your voice and your perspective it's really appreciated and uh, best of luck uh with yeah navigating the chaos but i really appreciate you taking the time and thank you for getting behind the campaign i really really appreciate it mark a pleasure thanks danny Julianne, Acting Managing Director of the Sustainable Restaurant Association, thank you so much for joining me today. I know you're standing in for Andrew, who's been on the podcast before for a little while. Um, I just wanted to ask, basically, I'm just going around a few sort of key contacts, key voices in the industry, specifically to ask and have a chat about this idea for a minister for hospitality and, and the hospitality industry having a better seat at the table for the government. I know you guys are supportive of this. Can you just explain, you know, what do you think and why are you supporting this petition and this initiative? Yeah, absolutely. I think we at the SRA are very supportive of it, uh, seeing that there's such an opportunity for somebody in government to actually look at a uh, broader kind of vision for hospitality beyond just the economic recovery that is so necessary. So I think we see it as not only do we need somebody really standing up for the economic interests of our sector, which have just been absolutely decimated over the past year, um, I think the value that that hospitality brings to the country is so um, essential and needs needs proper um, accountability and proper thinking about at a government level. But from the SRA's perspective, we see there to be such a broad opportunity to link what's going on in DEFRA, what's going on in terms of food policy, what's going on in terms of health to all of that happening in hospitality. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right, actually. And I'd forgotten, but Andrew and I did speak about this, I think, when we had a little catch up in the pandemic. But it, it did feel like a little bit of a of a reset opportunity. And, and it does seem crazy, I suppose, that, you know, when you when you think of the biggest difference people can make uh, at the moment, apart from now, obviously, there's a vaccine, but but health and nutrition mm. and food, you know, the bigger picture of food is is so important, I suppose, particularly around that. Yeah, that bigger picture environmental side. If if there was a new minister for hospitality and you guys as the SRA had the opportunity to sit down and have a chat, what sort of things would you be bringing to their attention and, and things that you'd like to see uh, changed or developed? Yeah, I think you absolutely are right to kind of point that out. And I think, um, you know, that connection is so essential for a green recovery. All these words that are being bandied around, around building back better and meeting kind of, you know, carbon targets and, um, a better future. And I think if food is not at the heart of that, we will absolutely not make all of those uh, ambitions real. So we see that as a real opportunity. Um, in terms of what we would be asking for, I think we we want to see kind of progressive VAT relief. I think some of these economic levers that have been, um, you know, experimented with during during the pandemic, things like Eat Out to Help Out, have been, you know, amazing at trying to get some confidence back into the industry. But I think long term, we need to be thinking about how are we rewarding businesses that are doing the right thing? How are we progressively, um, you know, supporting VAT relief on sustainable uh, restaurants, for example, or pushing that kind of more progressive economic policy that helps guide the industry towards better choices? Mm. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. It does seem like a, a unique opportunity. You, um, you know, you sort of represent a, a decent number of, uh, I don't know, customers, operators, I suppose, within our sector. What's your experience of, of having that seat at the table? Presumably, sometimes you want to highlight these things to government. Do you do you have a route into government already? And, and how do you think a Minister for Hospitality might change that route? Yeah, I think we, um, so our our membership uh, is about 12,000 kind of kitchens across the UK. And I think quite a diverse membership of everybody from independents all the way up through, um, you know, classic groups and chains. And we've got kind of high end and street food and everybody all in this kind of same same group where the the commonality is their their drive to be more progressive and to do the to do the right thing and at the minute we very much represent their interests but it's quite a kind of disparate so it's conversations at defra it's conversations at bays it's conversations um you know at treasury trying trying to um influence decisions but there it would be so helpful were there to be one point of contact that was looking out for the interest of hospitality across all of those um you know joined up thinking i don't think that we're probably the only sector that wants government to do a better job at joined up thinking but um it's going to be so essential for us to build the future that we want and to build an industry that is you know healthier and more sustainable and more progressive on the back of such a difficult year um, we need that that joined up thinking, that systemic thinking for solutions across the piece. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And funny enough, I was chatting to even even on a local authority level, I was chatting to our local council uh, last week, having exactly the same conversation. Funny enough, saying, look, as a, as, a, as a sort of entrepreneurial, independent business, you end up having to go to uh, licensing or to the EHR exactly. or to planning or to economy, and actually, you just want one person who just understands business. So yeah, I think absolutely yeah. having somebody because because hospitality is 
so diverse. Um, were there any particular examples of anything you've seen, I suppose, or any decisions that have been made, whether that's, you know, sort of pandemic related or, or, or maybe more uh, sustainability environmentally um, of late where you've kind of gone, where, where it's really highlighted, I suppose, for a need, you know, almost like the straw that broke the camel's back where you go, oh my goodness, how is it possible that we do not have a more joined up approach or a more informed approach to this? I mean, I did, I, I do think that, you know, using Eat Out to help out as an example, I think it was kind of a grand irony that the government um, released their new obesity strategy in the same week as launching Eat Out to help out. And you ended up with quite a lot of messaging around, you know, 50% off burgers at the same time as saying, uh, and, and encouraging people to do that and to eat out at the same time as launching an obesity strategy, telling people to eat less. So, you know, I think those are the kinds of messages where it, it's overwhelmingly con- confusing for a citizen to to wade that sort of a response from government. And um, that, you know, had, had there been more joined up thinking, I think we're talking about, you know, Brexit and food standards at the same time as trying to rebuild an industry. And you don't want to create the wrong incentives in in one end and then have, you know, policy levers on the other end and have those two things not match up. Um, And that happens so often, I think, when it comes to kind of food, farming policy, um, and then hospitality as a sector full of people creating jobs and creating, you know, revenue. Um, Yeah. Amazing. Perfect. No, that's really good. Really, really good points and well made. Um, Are there any other burning issues or or desires around this topic, uh, Julianne, that you would like to explore? Um, no, I think, you know, I think the, the biggest thing for us is just, you know, I think this year has shown how important it is that hospitality has a voice as a sector. And I think it's brought to light for a lot of diners, the, um, you know, myriad of issues that, that hospitality is the intersection of, you know, it's the intersection of, um, of people and wages and a lot of these, you know, very human stories around, um, how hospitality staff have supported, you know, children going hungry, for example, over um, over school holidays, and um, just how important at a human level hospitality is. And then on the flip side, you have how important at an environmental level hospitality is. Um, you know, our consumption in uh, is only increasing in terms of the amount of uh, food we eat from that's cooked out of home. And therefore, you know, supply chain issues, all of these things um, are huge in terms of understanding our future. So uh, giving hospitality that voice and and really recognizing how important it is um, really matters to us. Amazing. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, yeah being on the side of the industry so well and representing us so well and adding your voice to support for this campaign. Hugely appreciated. And thank uh, you. Yeah. We will we will get to have a bit a, bit, a proper catch up one day. Good luck, um, yeah, running the uh, SRA for the next six months. Hope it goes thank well. Thank you. Thank you. Speak soon. Cheers. Bye. Sally Beck, thank you so much for joining me as well. Uh, Great to get your perspective and your voice. Hotelier of the Year from the Royal Lancaster in London. Uh, Can you just explain to people listening, please, this this sort of issue around uh, the industry backing this petition and wanting a minister for hospitality? Can I just ask, please, Sally, why are you supporting that initiative? Why do you think it's important? Uh, I think it's vitally important. Uh, We're the third largest employer in the UK. Uh, We're a diverse and creative industry. And we need our own minister who understands us uh, and is able then to table the case for hospitality 
uh, with the government. Um, we produce a huge amount of uh, revenue uh, to the government and uh, we need to be valued properly, properly and appropriately. Uh, and I think currently we are undervalued, under, misunderstood, and therefore that means government doesn't actually use us properly and, and is at risk of damaging us. Um, and we're the mental health of the country too. So uh, I think it's vitally important. Yeah. What do you mean by that, that mental health of the country? I think, you know, we, we represent joy, fun, togetherness, family units, uh, business, etc. You know, when we're closed, uh, people can't function well. Uh, and I think if you, if you, if you, if you don't keep uh, areas of your hospitality section, uh, country, industry open, um, it, the, the, it's a huge effect across, across the country. I think it's underestimated. Was there a particular decision they made that, that made you think we need a better seat at the table? Um, that's quite a tough question, actually. I think furlough, amazing. Thank God. Great. Lovely. Um, I think when they started shutting us down, and I don't know whether it was the press or the government, um, but starting to say that hospitality is the cause of outbreaks, uh, which is, is not looking at the data properly. Um, and I think that to, 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 to shut us down without good cause um, just shows a huge lack of understanding um, of the data. I also think that the timings, um, this toing and froing, um, bringing in flexi furlough, then finishing furlough, then coming up the the, the job. Uh, I think the first um, uh, the first job security system uh, was just not workable at all for hospitality. Um, and thankfully, they brought in the furlough. But you could just see they're just thinking on the hoof. They're not actually doing it with considered thought. Um, so yeah, I, it's, I, I don't think there was one particular straw. Um, but there was multiple areas where you could see that they weren't understanding um, the impact of their actions, um, either on hospitality or on the public that's actually going to, to slow, the, slow the virus or control it better. Yeah. Do you think it was just literally a, a, uh, a lack of understanding, I suppose? I suppose that's the point of having somebody, you know, one point of contact is this ability to articulate uh, what the problem is. Do you think it was a... A lack of understanding or do you think they're aware and they just make questionable decisions? Um, I think that's a good question too. Um, I think they would possibly be aware. I think Kate Nichols has done a cracking job in getting us heard across the table. Um, but I bet she's not at all the meetings uh, and I'm not sure how well people can um, articulate for us if they're not in the industry. Um, having a Minister of Hospitality that is well briefed, um, that understands the depth and the breadth of our industry and the impact of it across the whole of the country um, would be much better placed to argue effectively across government than what we currently have. 
Okay. And, and given the opportunity, let's say that that uh, new post is created and somebody's in that role and, you know, we're in the first month or so, if you've got the opportunity to sit down with that new minister, are there any key things that you would want to bring to their attention uh, for our industry, either, either pandemic related or maybe moving forwards, sort of some, some bigger picture stuff, some issues that you'd like to be on the table? I think one of the issues now I'd like on the table, we're all passionate about apprenticeships and learning in our industry. And I think we're, 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 we're a great advocate for young people coming in. Uh, the current levy um, is is 0.5 of our payroll. Uh, the amount of levy that I've been paying over the last couple of years is tremendous. Um, now, to actually, to actually use the levy, I have to have a level of people that I'm putting through apprenticeships. Um, if you don't use your levy within two years, you lose it. Um, I'd like them to extend that timeline um, because otherwise I'm going to be losing more money to a government pot that I don't need to, where I actually need to use it um, to invest in training and apprenticeships for our young people that we need to entice back into our industry. So I would certainly like him to look at extending the timeline for the use of the levy. Yeah, that's a really good point. I've not heard that brought up before, but it makes absolute sense that we've, in essence, lost a full year of opportunity. It seems seems crazy with all the other extensions that we've had not yeah, to do that for at least 12 months. Yeah, they're not addressing it. They're still taking the levy contribution from payroll at the moment. Um, really? And the chances of us being able to utilise it effectively is another penalising uh, tax for us. Um, yeah. You know, and I think it, it, it's it's relatively fledgling um, what they're trying to do, and we're trying to get momentum in apprentices into our industry. Um, so I would certainly be asking him to uh, talk to government about extending the use of those funds effectively to allow us to not lose that money. Hmm, perfect. Well, that feels like a great example of something that's yeah probably you know particularly specific around our industry. I guess is the fact that we've got very high payroll. It tends to be a significant percentage of our turnover. We employ a lot of young people, and and that might be something that's missed when we're just sort of lost, I suppose, in the other government departments. Uh, are there any other burning issues? Anything else you want to mention, Sally? I mean, I think they need to also talk about getting us back on the map. I think Britain has been. Uh, damaged in the communication and coordination across across the management of the COVID pandemic when I look at the world. Um, I think as also exiting Brexit at the same time, um, it's really important that we have a, you know, we're open for business, um, we're safe, uh, we, we're, we're creative, we, we want business back in the UK. Um, and I think a coordinated approach to marketing um, that, you know, Britain is a great place to come uh, and a great, um, you know, destination for people to come for business and pleasure will help us in the long term. This is going to be a long time recovering. Uh, and I think our, the Minister of Hospitality needs to get behind everything to advertise um, us to the international market um, to bring back our business. Yeah, perfect. I think you're right, and I think you're you know you're, you're correct. Brexit creates a unique uh, opportunity to do that, and for something positive to come out of it uh, would be really helpful. Look, Sally, thank you so much for uh, sparing the time and just you know adding your support um, to this. Really appreciated, and obviously, uh, yeah, we'll try and get more and more people to sign that petition and have a proper debate on this. But uh, for now, thank you. Thank you, Mark. 
Andrew Stembridge, Executive Director at Iconic Luxury Hotels. You have some beautiful uh, hotels dotted around the country. You employ just under a thousand people. You're a great voice for the hospitality industry. Can I just ask you, Andrew, why are you getting behind this campaign for a Minister for Hospitality and this seat at the table? Why do you think it's important? I, I, I think it's, it's not only it's important. Thank you, Mark, and, and, and good to speak to you again. I, I mean, it's more than important. I think it's absolutely vital. And I, and I think in some respects, and I think it's easy to, to sort of look back, but, but it's, it's, it's just obvious. And I think for, um, for, 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 for far too long, you know, we've needed somebody that really represented us in government. And I think probably what's, what's brought it to a head now is obviously is, is, uh, I guess combination of of COVID and Brexit, um, and that, um, and I and I think actually, you know, in many respects, I, I think also, I mean, what what, um, and I know you've interviewed Kate, but Kate Nichols at uh, UK Hospitality, what what she's done through through COVID to actually bring hospitality to to um, to the forefront and 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 to the forefront of people's minds, I think is 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 actually uh, quite quite remarkable and so all of a sudden it's almost that that that, that sort of platform it's almost like it, it, it's it's almost like a a, a a sort of trampoline for for where we are now where we find ourselves and 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 this idea that really we need to lobby to um to, to, to have somebody who who um and not just anybody and i think that's the critical thing this isn't just about finding somebody a minister this is about finding a minister who who actually who knows our business and I think that's. I think. I think the other, the other thing is, it's it's been quite clear that the the time and time again, the decisions the government made throughout COVID have been bad decisions. Um, and 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 although I, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes for one second, they, they 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 have every turn they've made decisions which have which have kind of gone wrong. And and you know, other than probably you know setting up the furlough schemes in the first place, and that's the one thing that's that's oh gosh, it saved us, saved us all. But actually, in terms of the, the you know, the, the, the curfews and, and, the, and, the, and the sort of the, the way the sort of lockdowns have impacted and, and the, 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 now the substantial meals and all of these things, they're just, they're just, they're just um, they're, they're nonsensical, really. Mm. Yeah, you're right. And I think you're absolutely right there. You, you know, it is key that it can't just be anybody. It can't just be a junior ministerial position. The, the last thing we want to do is make this harder and make it where Kate Nichols has to go through somebody who's who's not really interested. So I guess the first stage is to get this debated and get somebody appointed. And the second stage is to make sure it's the right person. But you talk then about some of the decisions being made, maybe demonstrate that, that the government don't really get it. Were there any sort of key things? Was there a straw that, that broke the camel's back where you went, look, this is now ridiculous? There's There's clearly... A misunderstanding or something something's not working um gosh, I, mean, it's trying, I think in some respects the year the year is a is a blur and 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 i think the one thing we've all we've all we've all got sort of covid fatigue now i think and and i think everybody who's running businesses small or or large or you know employing you know five people or or you know five thousand people i think everyone's 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 sort of had to to sort of um uh, I, I guess well, follow the process, be part of the the process, and try and navigate their way through the process. And I think you know, for me, for me, all along the way, the biggest issue has is, is been really the fact that 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 the the announcements that have been made are made to the general public at the same time that the industry gets to hear of them. And 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 so I think every turn, you know, we've had very very short notice to make decisions. 
uh, and 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 you know we've been trying to answer questions from from people that are phoning us uh, who 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 are probably as confused as we are. So I think I think I think that's been a sort of fundamental problem throughout. Um, in terms of the straw that broke the camel's back, I mean I, I think probably um, the you know I mean for me the 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 idea of of the t- tears in um, in the UK. Albeit, you know, I, I think it's probably hard for the guys who were most affected up in the sort of the northeast. But uh, that that seemed to be the right thing, and I suppose I must admit, um, you know, we, we, we've all got mixed opinions about Boris. But I, I think it was frustrating there that he he seemed to, well, he not seemed to, he backtracked from that, and he obviously sort of bowed to pressure and then introduced a second lockdown which which doesn't which 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 actually as someone who's been traveling up and down to london to open our new property you know really when you when you're out and about and you're seeing what's happening and the fact that you know they're encouraging people to still still go to work if they need to and they're encouraging schools and colleges and or, or allowing them to stay open and, and therefore it actually really didn't seem to to sort of have the impact and and i suppose for us you know the the yeah the, the big thing will always be that the efforts we went to in the first place to make our all of our businesses COVID secure, um, they kind of worked and they were proven to work in, in terms of the stats. And I think, you know, that's the, where, where, where probably the wheels fell off is where, you know, the, maybe some of the, you know, the, the, the bars and, 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 and sort of nightclubs and things. And that's where, you know, again, that the, but I think in terms of um, formal or informal dining and, and hotels and, and that part of the sector, um, where it was, it was not easier, but it was it was possible to 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 actually make sure that the the rules were followed. And I think that is, I think it's this blanket approach at every term. And I think whether that's whether that's a lack of understanding or a complete lack of understanding, or whether it's just their sort of inability to or fear that people sort of almost recategorize what what, what they're in. But it, it just doesn't, um, yeah, it, it just it doesn't make sense. But and even I mean even things like the 10 p.m. curfew that was you know all that did it, it completely. It, it just made more people be leaving restaurants and bars and, and, and things at the same time, which 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 kind of defeats purpose. So it, it's you know th- I think there's 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 probably there's I think I think to answer your question a bit of a long answer, but it, there's, there's there's definitely lots of straws. Um, yeah, <laughs> in, in, in that. It's more of a more of a big stick than a straw. COVID soup, yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Okay, well, look, finally. Um, you know, looking at the bigger picture, I suppose not not just the pandemic, not not just recent decisions. You know, we, we'd like to see our industry better represented for a long time ahead. You know, we've got Brexit. We've clearly got some big changes being made to the sort of the national picture of where Britain sits. You've uh, worked across all sorts of, of groups. I know from Relais Chateau to you know sort of representing the industry in lots of forums. What would you say if you were sat down with that new minister for hospitality in the first couple of months? What sort of things would you want to say to them to make sure they're on the table, looking at you know how things uh, pan out over the next couple of years? I, mean, I think I think I think probably the, the 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 number one on the list has to be people because obviously you know and 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 and, and anything we can do to you know we, we we over the over recent years you know we we've seen all our you know it would be it be it be it schools or the colleges or the colleges which are closing or the colleges which don't have the funding and, and just this we, we you know our, our ours is a, our, our, our business is a people business and you know before before covid we were had you know chronic situation where we, we just really couldn't find people and that was compounded by the sort of looming brexit and and i think what we have to do is is 
get to a point where actually we 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 have uh, we, yeah, we 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 can we can we can we can you know drive people through education into into our industry. Um, and so, so, so I think I think for me that has to be the the, the number one priority. Um, as because you know we will you know we will come out of, we will come out of this. The markets will bounce back and into the international business. So that that's going to happen and that's going to be inevitable. And you know probably you know said person's going to going to have to probably do a lot of you know helping out first in terms of poor businesses which are struggling. But I think in the, you know I think in the sort of midterm is it has to be about um, uh, people. And and, uh, and our ability to to find people in the UK and and help drive people in that direction. Amazing, perfect. Okay, good. Well, look, thank you so much for adding your your voice and your perspective. I'm afraid we're out of time. Congratulations, by the way, on your recent opening of the Mayfair Townhouse. Looks absolutely stunning in London. And uh, yeah, best of luck getting through the winter. But thanks for adding your support, Andrew. Yeah, really thank, well, thank Mark. Thank, thank you for for supporting it as as well. That's it's it's really great. Really appreciate it. Perfect. Okay, thanks, Andrew. Robin Shepherd, president of Bespoke Hotels. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you manage over nine and a half thousand hotel rooms and over eight thousand staff. Can I just ask why are you adding your support to this sort of petition, this uh, campaign to get a dedicated minister of hospitality? Why are you adding your voice? I don't feel our voice has been clear or singular in the past, and I think that has to change. The adversity of the COVID current situation is such that we need to be organised, measured and uh, heard. And uh, without a seat at the table, I just don't think we can achieve that. Conversely, I feel that uh, Kate Nichols has done a splendid job representing our industry through UK hospitality. But um, that's knocking on the door from the outside. We desperately need someone on the inside listening and interpreting and representing our industry. Uh, the, the last part I would just like to mention is that in the past, there have been ministers for tourism, and the average shelf life for any one of them is eight months. So as soon as they've got the hang of what they're doing, they move to another role. So I'm hoping that this will be seen as a permanent part of the new employment landscape, vital to the economy's recovery, um, and a, a, an area of such significance that it has usurped manufacturing as the greatest employer of key personnel in the UK. Okay, brilliant. It's an interesting point that, isn't it? That, that, you know, we don't want to make the situation worse by having a constantly kind of revolving minister, as you alluded to, all too often they don't last too long. So the first challenge is to actually get this debated and then we need to find the right person. Um, are, are you optimistic or is there anything you think we need to do as a sector to try and increase the chances of not only getting a minister, but actually having somebody competent in that post? best piece of advice I ever had from anybody saying what qualities you needed to get on in life was persistence. And I think let's just persist until we've got what we need, which is to have the post acknowledged and then the quality of the person that fills that post we can deal with one step at a time. To start looking too far ahead and describing what key qualities we want, I think has to be secondary to gaining the right to have the employment. Yeah, perfect. Okay. And are there any key decisions that you feel have been made, which have really demonstrated, I suppose, over the last few months, this sort of lack of understanding? Um, was there a sort of a straw that broke the camel's back where you said, look, we really need to approach this differently? This just isn't making sense. Well, I think the help out or eat out to help out campaign was a wonderfully well intentioned campaign and it's spectacular 
spectacularly managed to um, get us another lockdown because people assumed that by going out to well-managed uh, and aired licensed premises, somehow that was spreading the pandemic and quite the con- opposite. We were remarkably well-behaved, very disciplined, and we spent a considerable amount of money in order to make our premises uh, COVID safe. So um, someone understanding, hey, please don't use a catch-all to, to close the sector down again, because actually this particular part of our economy has traded very sensibly and in a very adult way. So I think that's one area I, I desperately want a stronger voice within Parliament to be able to say, state our case much more clearly. And it is that strength and integrity of that voice which is so important um, uh, for us. It does seem to be an incredible frustration, the fact that you know we invested all of that money in training, in PPE. I think we demonstrated how good a sector we could be, I think, compared to certain other sectors where you weren't met at the door, you know, there wasn't anti back there weren't one-way systems there wasn't the same same level of training it felt like we should be held up as an example the transmission rates the data of the transmission rates sort of demonstrated um that you know that we were running effectively it felt on one hand that we should be held up and sort of saying look look what hospitality can do look what it's achieving but actually the reality was we were used as a scapegoat do you, th- do you think there's a reason why is it is it is it a lack of understanding or are we just an easy sector to pick on is it because we're such a diverse sector have you got any feelings as to why we keep getting used uh, I feel it's because we've never been seen as something worthy in the past. That's possibly our own inferiority complex as much as other people's genuine perception from the outside looking in. But uh, time is, has passed. We we have a respectable industry, uh, quality of, of catering and hospitality that's um, as good as anywhere else in the world. I hate to use the term world beating because that's been misused by um the, the headmaster of this country at the moment. Um, and I'm just desperate for us to say we're organised, we're thorough, we're meticulous, we care, um, we can produce great hospitality, we produce fabulous food. Our industry is unrecognisable from where it was 50 years ago, uh, even 20 years ago. Um, you go out in Britain, excluding COVID periods, expecting to eat very well and be incredibly well looked after. Um, that simply wasn't the case post the Second World War in the UK. We were the laughing stock. Um, so to have had all that hard work uh, aggregating and aggregating over the uh, decades to finally reach a point where we're such a significant employer and then find we just don't have the clarity of voice uh, and the backup to ensure that our um, particular strengths are acknowledged in Parliament is just tragic and we we have to we must it's an absolute make that change okay uh, final question if you look at the sort of the big picture of our sector maybe not just sort of recent months maybe not just recent pandemic but you you look at britain wanting to stand sort of tall and proud proud post brexit are, are there some key things if you sat down with that new minister of hospitality in those first couple of months are there some key things you'd want to bring to the table to say look these are the issues around our industry around our sector that we'd really like to uh, to, to ensure are on the table and being discussed over the next year or two well it's a differentiation between a, a salary index and a perceived quality of employee which has put an artificial barrier into our employment legislation and we need to try and knock that down at as soon as we can so that we can hire people from anywhere else uh, over and above the UK. Um, We're not going to overnight make hospitality the new employment driver. Um, 
and we have historically lent very heavily in the most recent years on East European staff to populate our hospitality businesses, whether they're coffee shops, restaurants, bars, or hotels, um, and just to cut all those um, potential recruits out because we've inned ourselves out of the EU is something somehow we need to get around. And when the hiatus over Brexit finally settles down, getting transfer of, uh, of staff organised again is crucial. But also we need to tell the world we're open for business. Um, uh, the, the impact of COVID is one thing, but the additional impact uh, across the globe of what people now perceive of Britain uh, is that we're an unfriendly place that doesn't really want tourism. And tourism is such a vital driver to the economy. Look at the occupancy in London businesses. At the moment, it's like a ghost town, and we desperately need domestic and particularly international traffic to come back. Okay. So it feels like a key time then now is, for multiple reasons, now is the opportunity to uh, to back that. Is there any other points, anything else you'd like to say, or just please sign the petition, let's have the debate and uh, and get on with it? Sign the petition and keep going. Get exercised about this. Get aerated. Get not angry, but purposeful. Um, we, we need to demonstrate that we can just do this thing right now. Uh, so I urge everyone who's listening to this broadcast to um, cajole anybody they know to, to add their name to the list so we comfortably sail past 100,000 as a minimum and then we need to have regular um, shows of strength to demonstrate the unification that's just taken place within the last week or so regarding seat at the table uh, it's a wonderful achievement let's build on that and take ourselves much more seriously than we have done in the past Perfect. Thank you, Robin. That's a great summary. Look, best of luck moving forwards. I know you've got businesses in every possible tier in every region of the country. Difficult times. I wish you uh, the very best of luck navigating your way through. But thank you for adding your support and your voice to this campaign. Fears for tears. Very good. Thank you so much, Mark. <laughs> Thanks, Robin. Peter Ducker, Chief Executive at the Institutes of Hospitality. Uh, thank you for joining me. I know you're very supportive of this seat at the table, this sort of petition to try and get a Minister for Hospitality. I've seen it on your website. Can you just explain, please, Peter, why are you getting behind this? Why do you think it's important? I'm getting behind it on behalf of the Institute and on behalf of our members. Um, I've always felt that as an industry, we've been underrepresented in government and not understood. Um, and we need a central point of contact. I mean, the, the challenges that our industry faces need to be championed in, in, in Parliament. Yeah. Why do you think that is? That um, Because it, it felt very much sort of in the early stages of the pandemic, I suppose, that we did feel like we were getting some support, particularly with, with some sort of interesting initiatives like Eat Out to Help Out. What do you think's changed? And was there, you know, was there a particular thing, I suppose, that you witnessed where you went, look, this isn't working, we need a better seat at the table? Um, I think the first thing that disappointed me was that 10 o'clock curfew thing because I couldn't get that. And, and the impact of that, particularly on restaurants, where they had to roll back last orders to about 8.30 was, was massive. And, and it stopped them having the ability, most having the ability to turn tables in the evening. Um, but I, I also, I felt from the start that the, the, the view that the government has of hospitality is, is of pubs and restaurants, which are important, of course. I know there are thousands of businesses and many thousands of livelihoods, but um, it's only part of the scene. And uh, it's always frustrated me that 
government doesn't get what hospitality is. And and so let's say this uh, this is successful, this campaign, and obviously it then depends on who becomes the Minister of Hospitality. We'd like somebody who, who really genuinely understands them. But if you were sat with that person, whether pandemic related or just maybe some of the bigger issues around our industry, what sort of things would you want to make sure were being discussed around that table? First and foremost, I think when, we, when we're coming out of the pandemic, which please God is just around the next corner, um, we're going to need support through that as well, because some sectors of the business are long-term effective because all the, all the forecasts say that the last thing that's going to return is long-haul travel. So cities like London, Edinburgh, which depend heavily on international business, are going to be suffering longer than resort hotels that we, we in Britain like to go to ourselves. So, you know, and re, I think we're going to need support in that. Um, I think we also, you know, the one thing about the pandemic was it kind of pushed Brexit off the headlines for, for a while, but it's now back on, obviously. Um, but I do think that the future short, staff shortages that we were worried about right up until Brexit kicked off hasn't gone away. And long term, I know there's a lot of unemployment at the moment, but the industry will recover. We're incredibly resilient. And when we do, those staff shortages and the challenges of working around the government's new immigration policies are going to be as, as big as ever. So that's something I, I, I think we really need to engage with government about because they don't get our whole employment modelling. Um, and, and the other thing is that because of other things the government's been doing, there, there is turmoil in uh, the UK universities and uh, that's had an impact on book. The main impact that's had has been on vocational education um, and spe specifically hospitality. So we're, 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 where are our next bright graduates going to come from? Mm, okay. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, what, what, uh, what needs to change? I know we touched, we touched on this when you and I chatted in a bit more detail before, I suppose. But yeah, what, what needs to change to, uh, to help out the university and the education sector? Well, I, I think two things. First and foremost, I, I lament the loss of the old polytechnic system. I know I'm showing my age, but it worked. It was true vocational education to a higher level. Um, we're not going to go back to that, but we have to recognise that there should be some universities that are technical universities, as they call them in Europe, where that they are there as vocational universities. So I think that's one thing. I think as an industry also, we're going to have to adopt our, our model and say, actually, do you know what? We all know that we can recruit graduates from other academic disciplines, and then we have to um, give them kind of a conversion, um, you know, so that they understand what hospitality is about and understand about hospitality management and, and the vagaries and the, the variations that exist in our industry. So I think we've maybe got two things to do. First and foremost, to keep pressure on, to get vocational higher education working um, and, and, and resist all the cuts it's had. The second is to say, well, we've got to broaden our church, our, our approach to uh, how we recruit graduates, how we develop graduates and the shape of our graduate programs, because there's no doubt there is going to be a shortage in, in years to come once the industry recovers. Okay, perfect. Well, look, thank you so much for putting the Institute of Hospitality and your personal name behind this campaign, Peter. Really appreciate it. I know the sector will appreciate it. And uh, yeah, best of luck helping navigate through the, uh, the rest of this chaos. Well, thank you, Mark. And thank you for what you're doing to give publicity to this, because it's enormously important for the industry. So well done you. And Thanks, hopefully, Peter. hopefully we'll speak soon.
Gary Jones, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. You are the executive head chef of Le Manoir. You are also, uh, you know, incredibly well known for having a, a being a great voice of our sector. The number of, of phenomenal uh, chefs that you and in partnership with with Raymond Blanc up there at Le Manoir, the number of people you've trained is absolutely phenomenal. So, a big thank you for adding your voice to this campaign for a minister for hospitality. Can I just ask you why are you supporting this? Why do you think this is important, Gary? Well, I think you've seen the uh, the devastation and the impact that um, some of these regulations have had on on our industry. And I think, um, you know, if you do operate a any um, business within this sector, it's you know, it's a you know, it, a lot of care, a lot of passion, a lot of commitment goes into it. And you're seeing a lot of people who are given an awful lot and um, getting devastated by this. So, yeah, I think it's important that we do have a, a voice in in Parliament alongside. And rather than making decisions that will actually cripple businesses, we're, doing, we're making decisions that will assist, keep businesses going, keep businesses afloat and, you know, keeping the millions of people that this industry, um, you know, employs and, the, and the, the wealth it generates, you know, and the tax it brings into the country, um, you know, in so many ways. It's so beneficial for the industry that um, we make good decisions that will allow businesses to continue and not, you know, crippling businesses is not what we should be doing at this moment in time. We've got to do it. But again, I understand also that there has to be um, stringent, very, very stringent procedures in place to keep everybody safe. That's the main thing. But you've got to have somebody who knows the industry inside out, who can advise Parliament on what will work for us and what won't. And that, that's so important. I was fortunate enough to come up to Lamoire and Lamoire, sorry, and have a chat with you. Uh, sort of, you know, not long after we'd reopened, and actually, the you know the systems that you had in place, the sort of temperature checks at reception. There's a Q and A uh, before I arrived, where I needed to confirm, you know, if I'd had any symptoms when I got there. Everybody was wearing masks. The the sort of uh, the, the evidence was that the transmission rate in hospitality businesses was incredibly low. It's sort of next next thing to us, I think, was hospitals. I think we're really good at keeping customers safe. We're good at demonstrating that. It felt strange that we weren't being held up as an example of, of how other businesses should operate and actually we've sort of been blamed and we've been uh, shut down more what was your thoughts on on why you know we, why we weren't being held up as an example and why we were be being being blamed i think in, in most things it's it's in life it's a balance and you've got some bad examples of, of of things we saw on the news which shouldn't have happened in in, in certain things but those that are taking this thing very very seriously which is um, most of our colleagues within the industry, within the with all of the sectors, um, there are a few that let the side down in terms of um, having too many people um, in in one place at a time, and and that has can't happen. You know, it, we're in a we're in a different uh, terrain as we have been previously, and we've got to make sure that we're looking after everybody. The guest has to feel safe, um, and we have again invested lots of time and effort and cash into protection you know uh, ppe uh, masks gloves um sanitizers all of those you know the um the cleaning you know so there's a lot of gone lots gone into it a lot of thought has gone into it um lots of people have done everything they've been told to do um which is admirable really and i i'm i'm the same opinion of you why are we not um we will we'll point out the those that have got it totally wrong yes and there are a few um, but the majority of places are very safe to go. And I would say the vast majority of places are very safe to go. And you've got lots of people um, bending over backwards to make sure that everybody's safe. Guest, 
your team uh, and everybody in the environment is safe. That's important. And um, it's what we're certainly doing um, at the Manoir. It's what we will always be doing and taking care of everybody. But, um, you know, the majority of our industry is doing the same. Um, and, you know, I can't understand it either. But it has it's devastating businesses. Lots of places are really finding the impact of this. Mm. you're in a uh, you know beautiful location you're in the countryside you, you've uh, you know you've got guests they're obviously staying with you with a period of time but you're keeping them very safe were there any sort of key decisions that you saw the government making that really exasperated where you thought that this just doesn't make sense specifically in our area of the sector maybe um yeah some 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 key decisions that frustrated you well, I think the, um, you know, put in a time frame, you, you must be out of a restaurant by 10 o'clock or out of a pub by 10 o'clock. You know, for, from our side of things, we, we, we're creating a, a, a tasting experience. So it accelerates that tasting experience and it's not as comfortable to consume f- food at speed. It, it, it's a hospitality. It's, it, you take your time, you sit down with a, a friend or a partner. Um, and spend time together and that it can't be when you accelerate those things you've got to cram in you know it it, it does push gaps between uh, courses um you know and it could be slightly uncomfortable to 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 have everybody out at the restaurant at a, a certain time but it also now if you're coming out of the pub and everyone's coming out at 10 o'clock and you're in the city center then everyone's on the tube or on the buses or on the street at the same time that didn't make any sense to me um, whatsoever so that should have continued to be staggered i would have said but um, as long as um you know all of the procedures were in place and you're keeping everybody safe that makes sense but from our point of view it did accelerate the the experience which again makes it a little bit uncomfortable for those you know wanting that experience um, but we've you know with the now that's changed over to 11 o'clock that's a whole lot it's a whole lot uh, easier for us. It's a whole lot nicer. Um, and then, you know, you're uh, involved in all sorts of things around the industry. I'd say you've, you've worked in it for a long time. You've worked at a number of very high-profile locations. I know you work with uh, with Adopter School and education and all sorts of stuff. So you're aware of the bigger picture, not just pandemic-related, but the issues around our industry. So if you were sat down with this new Minister for Hospitality, looking ahead, I suppose, over the next couple of months, are there, are there sort of a couple of issues, things that you're passionate about in the sector that you would like to make sure that are, are on the table and are being discussed for the future of our industry? We've got to make the, the industry more attractive to um, the youngsters. You know, our, our businesses, you know, I, as you know, I go into primary schools, I go, we go into, you know, we're, we're getting people from a, a primary level. We take secondary school um Boys and girls, or we did before pandemic, should we say? We haven't since the pandemic to keep everybody safe, but we generally would take people from schools and work experience and select those people who, who are, you know, happy in this industry. And you 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 get into this and you get a bug for it, you get a passion for it, and you can make a fantastic um, livelihood from it. It is a brilliant, brilliant people industry. And as I say, it is all about people, whether it be guest or team member. If you can take and make this industry a little bit more attractive in terms of, um, you know less hours shall we say and that's what we're, we've we've started to do here where we've closed we've sacrificed revenue um we've closed lunches on monday tuesdays and wednesdays so we can rest the team you know that is an incredible step because we could sell lunch three times over you know that's what we've done and that whole decision is based on um lowering the, the hours of the team to look after the you know look after the uh our, our guys, yeah. So it, the working week isn't as long as it used to be. So we're doing an active uh, role in, in that. So again, we need to make our industry more attractive for people to come into. 
um, it is fabulous. And, um, you know, yeah, that, that's what I would be saying. How do we make it more attractive to, to the youngsters? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I think we you know we, we have an opportunity and I think it is changing, but yeah, recognizing the professionalism of our industry and, and all too often it was referred to as a sort of, you know, a sector that you did in between jobs or a low pay, low skill kind of sector. And that's simply not the case anymore, I don't think, is it? So um, are there any other burning issues, Gary, that you would like to raise? But if not, thank you so much for, for adding your voice and your support to this campaign. Not really nothing burning except, uh, yeah, look after each other, look after your guests, look after your team. Um, and together we'll get through this because we are strong. We're a strong industry. We built up a lot of resilience and strength over the years. And I hope we, the government going forward, makes some uh, good decisions so we can all get on with it and provide a great um, experience for our guests and our, and our teams of the future. That's that's that would be my message. And a merry Christmas to everybody. <laughs> Perfect, Gary. Thank you so much for staying so positive and, and so upbeat. And uh, yeah, really really appreciate your support. Thanks for taking the time. All the very best. Now take care. Right, there you have it. That's it. The uh, wonderful nine humans of hospitality. A big thank you to them for taking the time to share their perspectives. Um, I hope you found it interesting. So the whole point is please go to the website seatsatthetable.org.uk. Please head over there where you'll find a link through to the petition and to the social media accounts and your support would be very much appreciated and I think you'll agree it's a very worthy cause. Uh, I will be back next week. Uh, every Monday morning, release a new episode uh, on the Humans of Hospitality podcast. But actually, next week's will be the last for a little while. We're going to take a few weeks off over Christmas. I will be working, but most people are too busy to sit down and have a chat. But I've got some great guests booked in for the new year. So come back next Monday uh, for the last episode of the year. And then we'll get back to it from sort of mid-January 2021 onwards. And uh, let's hope that's a calmer year for hospitality uh, and we all have a great period of trade okay thank you have a great week cheers